Welcome to the Footwear Insight Extra podcast from Formula 4 Media in Great Neck, New York. Formula 4 Media publishes vertical trade magazines, Outdoor Insight, Team Insight, Textile Insight, and Footwear Insight with related digital publications Team Insight Extra twice monthly, Textile Insight Extra once a month, and Footwear Insight Extra on Wednesdays. Now it's time for the latest podcast. Well, today we are speaking with Mr. Kevin Cole, who has nearly a 30-year career in the footwear industry, starting at Merrill Footwear in 1991. Uh, subsequently, he de- he worked in development for Timberland, where he introduced manufacturing practices for the company for, in the U- for the U.S. and in the Caribbean. And in 1995, Kevin joined Nike as a product development manager, where he worked for some time in Taiwan as a development manager. Currently the CEO of the original footwear company in Morristown, Tennessee, Kevin's footwear work in the last 20 years began in 2001 when he started Outdoor Gear in Alamo, California and began developing and manufacturing private label footwear for Big Five Academy Sports and Sports Authority. And it was in this position where he met Terry Magnus, the founder of the original footwear company. And then in 2009, Outdoor Gear bought the original footwear company and merged its private label business with the original SWAT brand. And before we begin our conversation on this podcast today with Kevin, I should point out that he's the father of three and a former NCAA national champion in Nordic skiing for the University of Vermont. Good morning, Kevin. Maybe we could start our podcast today. You could briefly discuss you know, how you, you started Outdoor Gear out of your family laundry room in California back in 2001 and how you transitioned to your current position at OFC. Good morning, Bob. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's your you know, your classic entrepreneurial story, right? I was I was in a job where I was making six figures and had a car allowance and health insurance and decided that I could I could do this myself. And we were we were in a small house in Alamo. We had three boys at the time that were one, three, and five. And uh, the only space in the house was was the laundry room. There was actually a, a counter that was uh, for folding laundry and that made the perfect desk and put in a phone line and a fax and you know started started on day one and developed started developing private label footwear for and big five was the first customer and then academy and you know we had to juggle my work schedule with uh, making sure the laundry got done because it couldn't couldn't both happen at the same time and uh, you know over the years continued to to grow and in 2009 had the opportunity to purchase the original footwork company from terry mcness and outdoor gear then you know, merge with original footwear and original footwear had the original SWAT brand that was very focused on selling police, uh, military, law enforcement, uh, and, and EMTs. And after Terry stayed on in that transition as CEO for about a year and a half, and then after a year and a half, he said, hey, you got this. You know what you're doing. If you have any any questions, call me. I'll be on the golf course. And at that point, from uh, I've been CEO since, uh, since that point. Maybe next, Kevin, you could discuss your OFC history and footprint in the U.S. government contracted footwear and domestic, and also discuss your domestic footwear manufacturing base, including how and why you decided to expand your business to Puerto Rico back in 2017. So in 2014, we were presented with the opportunity to purchase the assets uh, of Tactical Holdings, which included the Altama brand, the Welco brand, two manufacturing facilities, and we were innovated uh, several government contracts for the Air Force, the Army. Army, Navy, Marines, and, and Coast Guard. So really that point was what introduced us into you know domestic manufacturing. Uh, we started in 2014 in Morristown, Tennessee, and uh, one of the facilities that we acquired in that transaction. And you know, over the course of 
2014, 2015, 2016, we realized, we learned that, you know, one of the biggest challenges for domestic manufacturing is labor and skilled labor and labor that actually wanted to show up and, and work every day. And that's when we started looking into Puerto Rico as an option. As a U.S. territory, it's uh, very compliant production, but at the same point, they have you know they have more uh, more labor and more manufacturing based labor. And so we started in 2017, but then were delayed with uh, the hurricane that struck the island in 2017, late in September 2017. Um, and we finally got manufacturing up and running there uh, late 2018, and made our first shipment to to the U.S. military in December of 2018. And since have have grown that and have had very good success with recruiting manufacturing employees that are have been very helpful in, in helping us you know meet our, our our contracts with the U.S. government. Follow up that I'd like to ask you know if you have an opinion about the USMCA trade agreement that was signed per, by President Trump yesterday, and I guess we're still waiting for Canada to approve it. But what about its possible benefits for footwear companies who source in Puerto Rico, Mexico, or Canada? Is there going to be a big benefit there? Well, it it won't have any impact on on Puerto. Puerto Rico, because Puerto Rico is, you know, considered part of the U.S. when it comes to customs and tariffs. I think it's hard to say because it's still new. We still got to wait for Canada to approve it. We still, everyone has to, you know, all three countries have to put forward what they, if they qualify or not. But, you know, I think honestly, the bigger issue for us is I, I think in the footwear industry, I'm not sure our government really is focused much on footwear. I mean, I think, you know, from what I can see, it, auto the auto industry is much more affected by the USMCA than footwear is. You look at, you know, I, I, I think our government struggles to understand the complexity of the the footwear industry, whether it be sourced offshore or uh, domestically made. I mean, we straddle that fence. I mean, we make product in the USA 100% very compliant. We also import it. And, you know, you look at like, again, the TPP trade agreement is one that would have been very beneficial for the footwear industry. But, you know, that was shot down with the current administration without any sort of look at it whatsoever. And, you know, I think, you know, with USMCA, I think folks that have contracts that uh, are selling to the Department of Homeland Security will obviously benefit from this because without that, the the cost to uh, DHS would have skyrocketed because their only option would have been to be made in USA. Uh, so I think that there will definitely be some benefit to, to those contracts. But in, in general, I, I think the benefit will definitely be to other industries outside of footwear. And next, I was hoping that you could tell our listeners about um, OFC's recent acquisition by private equity firm Brand Velocity Partners. You know, will it have any huge impact on the company? And you know, what do you expect going forward in 2020 and 2021 under their ownership? Brand Velocity Partners had a very unique strategy, one that is you know, it, I think it's safe to say is unique to the private equity model. They're, they're, what they're doing is they are, have partnered with a marketing firm, and in this case it's called Source, and they came with an entire package, not only your typical PE package of investment in, in the company, but a whole marketing plan. And if you look at us as a as a company, we have some of the most authentic, durable, comfortable footwear in the industry. But you look and and people 
you know, we don't have high brand awareness. I mean, they the first thing they did at, at, on completion of the deal was actually a focus group and they took 12,000 consumers and our brand awareness for the Altama brand, for example, was high single digit. But what they found out was that our brand loyalty was in the 90s and it was higher than Nike, higher than Under Armour, higher than Danner. And when you look at that and you say, you know, what are the options for growth to have a brand that has very high quality product and has tremendous brand loyalty? One of the ways to growth is to obviously increase brand awareness. And that's what they're bringing to the table with Source. And that's what we're so excited about in terms of the ability to help us increase brand awareness so more people know about our product and buy our product and then in turn become uh, brand advocates for the for the Altama and original swap brand. So we are, for us, we did look at several other kind of sh- what I would call regular PE deals where they came with finance and you know some very, very smart people behind it that would help you strategically grow but this model that that BVP is trying, I, I think, could be revolutionary to to the industry. And it was definitely for us what appealed to us about the investment and certainly I, I think has the potential to provide significantly higher returns than kind of what I will say is the traditional PE model. Jumping off that particular point, I know I learned from a recent conversation that you and I had that OFC is working to expand into more lifestyle footwear with your introduction of the Urban Assault Collection at the recent SHOT Show. Uh, maybe you could tell our listeners about the product and the company's strategy to reach uh, mainstream consumers, I guess people who may be familiar with your brand from the military, but I guess other people who may not be. Well, you know, it's interesting, Bob. We, we Two years ago, we we launched a, a product called the Maritime Assault, and it is a water entry shoe that is 100% designed uh, for the Navy SEALs. And everything built into that shoe is is designed for what they need in a water entry, including that, you know, the, their, a fin would, their scuba fin would fit over the shoe. And what we found, you know, over the course of the last year and a half was regular consumers were buying these shoes. And we would get tagged by people weight, weightlifting and saying, Oh my God, I love these shoes. They're the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn. They're perfect for this. They're so, you know, they're low center, they're stable. And people jumping out of aircraft, you know, they're like, hey, these are great shoes because the the rubber that we use to be sticky on a boat deck was perfect for the the deck of an aircraft uh, before they jump out of the airplane. And we started seeing and people would be like, you know, but they're a little bit hot or, you know, they 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 would sit there and say, hey, these are products that that they weren't designed for what they were doing. And we said, well, hey, let's we can change that very easily. And so we we changed the upper material to uh, mesh and we made it far more breathable. We changed the footbed so it wasn't, you know, designed to be worn with a uh, with a wetsuit, just a, a sock and a gym. And the, and the reaction has been overwhelming. It's a product now that we, we call Urban Assault, playing off the Maritime Assault name. And now it can be used for gyms, people working out in gyms, weightlifting, CrossFit, and, and just honestly, just wearing with a pair of jeans when you when you go out instead of uh, having a, a pair of uh, Converse or Vans. These are products that have that sort of look and styling, but the features and, and benefits and and we do them in you know solid colors, but we're also doing them in multicam or Alpine multicam. So they have a, a little bit of a military look to them. 
you know, we did one shoe that uh, we, it's all done in alpine white multicam, but we accented it in pink and we put the, the breast cancer logo on it and we're donating 5% of our profits on that shoe to breast cancer awareness. And, you know, that has expanded our market to, quite frankly, women who just want to wear a, a casual, casual shoe. And for for us, who has traditionally been a very... 18 to 52 male dominated brand to be able to expand into product that is for quite frankly men and women ages 13 to 80 right it's it's pretty exciting for us and we're, we're we do have to feel our way a little bit is because it changes the the distribution for us and we got to make sure we we execute all all of those things right but we are we are very excited about it and obviously it's a it's a great opportunity to to take the Altama brand specifically more more what I would call mainstream that plan for for retail mainstream retail in 2020 or maybe 2021 20 2020 we actually uh first uh, the the first shoes arrive february 28th so we will launch these um march 1st you know we launched them at shot show last week in las vegas and the reaction from our existing customers was through the roof if you look at the reaction every time we put it on our instagram page is uh the reaction from from the people that follow us is again through the roof they can't wait for them so, you know, we're again, we, we will start to see uh, we'll start to ship product in, in March of this year. Finally, Kevin, today I want to ask if you could just your opinion on how you see you've been in the footwear industry a long time. You know, how do you see 2020 shaping up for the sector in general? Everyone, everyone in the footwear industry has been affected by the trade war with China. Right. And, you know, certainly don't want to get me to get political in any way on your on your podcast here but you know the 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 reality of supply and demand the additional duties that were put on on China where so many of the the shoes that come in from from overseas are made in China and as all the companies have moved to other locations like we were not manufacturing in China but we're impacted because now all of a sudden Vietnam and Cambodia more more shoes are being produced there which again drives costs up right it's just it's typical economics it's a it's a great lesson in economics so you know supply and demand where there's now less supply in or more demand and less supply it um, it causes everyone's pricing to go up. So I think, you know, the big story for, I think, 2020 across the board is that there will be price increases. Uh, Everyone will either make the choice to absorb them or pass them on. And I think most brands will find that they have to pass them on. And that will, you know, that will see a rise on, and that's everything in footwear, not just, you know, military or police. That's every, every bit of footwear across the board. So that to me is probably the, the, the biggest issue that will shape the footwear industry in 2020. You know, for us specifically, it's, it's, it is a minor, a minor hiccup, if you will, for, for what we're doing, obviously under, under brand velocity and kind of with all the things that they've brought to the table, I, you know, our, our growth plan where the opportunities that we have will, will far outweigh any of that. Thanks for joining me today, Kevin. I've been speaking with Mr. Kevin Cole, CEO of the original footwear company in Morristown, Tennessee. And you've been listening to the Footwear Insight Extra podcast. Don't miss this and every podcast, plus weekly footwear industry news every Wednesday. And fixed podcasts are also available on SoundCloud and other platforms. I am Bob McGee.